0: Welcome back into the Pigskin Cafe. Today on the show, we serve up our takes on Jameer Gibbs transferring to Alabama, Bo Nix transferring to Oregon, and finally, we conclude the show by previewing the Alabama versus Cincinnati matchup and the Georgia-Michigan matchup. Wesley, take us in.
1: You're listening to the Pigskin Cafe, a podcast covering the wild world of college football on tap for today are hot takes controversy and analysis on your favorite team pull up a seat and your host hampton sipper will be with you in three, two
0: we're back welcome back into the pigskin cafe my name is hampton sipper and i will be your host today and joining me To talk a little college football playoff preview is the on-site reporter for the Pigskin Cafe, Mr. Chase Haney. Chase, how are we doing today, ma'am? Man, I'm doing great. And like you
1: said, yes, on-site, I'm uh, here in Dallas. You know, I'm only down at Waco, but my fiance uh, lives in Dallas and, you know, the game is uh, in Arlington, so super excited. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Paul Holly, who probably does not listen to this podcast, but worth shouting out because I was looking at ticket prices you know Hampton me and you were looking and uh you know I we were kind of looking trying to make things happen and right when I was kind of like man it just does not make sense to uh to go you know the view is so good on TV um he came up to me at church and asked if I was going to be in Dallas that he had tickets that he was having trouble selling and that he was just like use this as your like engagement gift so me and Lindsay're going to be at the game tomorrow I know that uh John Steven, some of our friends, uh, their whole family's going to be there. So really excited, man. And Hampton, I want to tell you, here in Dallas, mm-hmm. there, I don't know if anybody's seen Nick Saban's press conference, and we're going to get to that, but there's this feeling mm-hmm. in the air. I, I don't know if you've heard about it, Hampton, but there's this feeling going on here in Dallas. And I was just watching mm-hmm. an Office episode, and I think it, I think it Pam Beasley just really lines up. She has this great line whenever she receives the Dundee, that really sums up what it feels like here in Dallas. And she says that, I feel God in this Chili's right now. (laughs) That's how I'm feeling. Um, I'm really excited for this football game. I'm ready to talk football. But, man, I mean, there's just nothing like in their uh, Alabama Invitational. So, how are you doing, man? We usually don't throw it back your way.
0: Well, what an intro! I don't know if I can top that, man. That that is awesome. Um, I'm assuming Paul Holly is the father of McKenzie, right? Am I on the right track, or I'm on the wrong track? Right? Boom! Yes, you're on to it. Boom! I'm on that. Yeah, but I'm doing great, man. Had a good Christmas, and like you, I'm pumped for the game tomorrow. It doesn't feel quite real that it's less than 24 hours away now, but I'm really looking forward. To breaking down the matchup between Alabama and Cincinnati, along with the Georgia-Michigan game, which I think, for a variety of reasons, is actually a more intriguing matchup. But we'll get to that later in the show. To lead off, we want to go, you know, recap some things that we, that have occurred since the last time we recorded our college football show, and that would be Jameer Gibbs, the Georgia Tech running back, transferring to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Chase, I want to give my thoughts on them um, after you give yours. But what an addition for the Crimson Tide through the portal! And what do you make of Gibbs? What's your kind of comp for him?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, we were talking about this, and I, you know, I I see Alvin Kamara in him some. Um, I see Alvin Kamara more in him when he was at Georgia Tech, um, which is which is a really really good sign because I think mm-hmm. that his high school comp was probably Aaron Jones, and not that I like those that. guys are like. Not that one of those guys is, like, above the other per se, but more of just, like, when I think Alvin Kamara, I think of basically a receiver who has running back characteristics. And then when I think of Aaron Jones, I think a little bit more of, like, a running back who has wide receiver characteristics. And maybe that makes sense, but, um, yeah, dude, this Gibbs guy, I mean, he can play. The awesome part is is that he's not some high schooler that has shown that he can play against high school talent. Now, I mean, he went to a a, – I mean, Georgia Tech wasn't anything crazy this year. They're supposed to be better. Him and their quarterback were really good. And then the rest of the team was completely mediocre. I mean, he showed what he could do on a on an average football team. And uh, if we wouldn't even give him that title. But I think that this we're getting a really, really special talent. Um, but I mean, I, I think the proof is in the pudding. You can watch his tape, you can hear what people have to say about him. I I I've I've really Hampton maybe I can toss this to you. Have you heard any kind of like cons to his game of what he needs to work on? I think that I did a pretty good job of setting up some, uh, some comps for you, but I don't really know what, what does he need to work on when he gets to Alabama and he's got a couple of guys who might be sitting in front of him, but a lot of people. What do you say?
0: Well, I totally agree with your comps and I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I don't think there's going to be anyone sitting in front of him. I think starting next year, when he arrives on campus, he will be RB1. I think he's that talented of a prospect. Uh, the thing I think he would probably need to work on most is maybe being a little more physical in between the tackles and pass protection. Everything else I think he has in spades. He's electric out of the backfield as a receiver, which you touched on. He has explosiveness to turn you know, a potential 15- to 20-yard run into an 80-yard touchdown. He can do that at any point in any game. And that's something that's kind of missing, been missing from Alabama's running back room the past few years. If you think about Brian Robinson this year, great back, thousand yard back, but not an explosive runner. Only maybe one uh, run longer than 60 yards all year. Jameer Gibbs will change that the minute he steps on campus. And I think, They'll be able to use him in a variety of ways. Um, He's probably good enough as a receiver to put him in the slot um, and create matchups with him that way, I like Kenyon Drake when he was at Alabama. Lane Kiffin would do that with him and get one-on-one matchups with linebackers or safeties and take advantage of that. So I think it's a home run uh, addition by Alabama, and I believe Gibbs is going to not only help at the running back position, but he's also – Um, an all American kick returner, a special teams guy. So that's going to add another dynamic and with Jamison Williams, probably going pro after, uh, the season concludes, I think Gibbs will be able to step in that role and be serviceable in doing it.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the Ken John Drake tidbit that you just added was something that a lot of Alabama fans see in Gibbs and, uh, I wouldn't be surprised I'm with you Hampton if, if he is the number one guy. I think that, that Jace's is, 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 hurt. Um, but man, there's going to be a couple of people I have to clear out of this, uh, this running back room before Alabama starts, uh, next mm-hmm. season. We'll, we'll just kind of see, and I don't even want to really label who it's going to be, but I think that someone will kind of just realize they can play somewhere else and they're going to be, you know, somebody has got to be fourth and fifth on the depth chart, even though they might be a four or five star running back. So it's going to be going to be really interesting, really excited for this, uh, Really excited to get Gibbs, man, in the locker room, see what he's got to bring to Alabama.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And the point you made about McClellan being hurt, Roy is also Roydale Williams is also coming off an ACL injury. Trey Sanders is still recovering from that car accident. Um, he's still playing in the games, but he's not back to what he was pre-accident. Um, so you got – I mean, that's three backs right there that are all kind of – banged up. So I definitely think he will vault to the top of that room and he's going to be a game changer with Bryce Young, give him a truly game changing back, which I love Brian Robinson. He's done an excellent job this year, but I think you and I would both agree he is not that caliber back. But, you know, we Alabama picked up Gibbs, but they also got Eli Ricks, which I don't want to spend a whole lot of time discussing him other than to say what another Incredible pickup from the portal. Nick Saban is already doing it better than anybody. He's an All-American type player, really long, great speed, good ball skills, physical as a tackler, um, and he will be starting next year. So it's a need that need to be met, especially with Josh Job and Jalen Armour Davis potentially leaving the program, and that leaves with, um, you know, leaves you with Kool Aid and Kyrie Jackson. So um, I think that's going to be very um, interesting with him kind of coming into the fold and him being an immediate impact uh, player for that Alabama defense next year. So um, with that, do you have any thoughts on Ricks? Yeah. I was
1: just going to say, I'm really excited too. I think that whenever you, uh, I think we were all kind of expecting to get one of these kids that ended up with A&M, but I mean, I know we were all really excited when we saw that he flipped former five-star. Um, again, I mean, I, I put this in our group me. I mean, Saban went from recruiting 18-year-olds to recruiting 20-year-olds. So, really excited to see what uh, what happens with these transfer guys coming in who I feel like can really make an immediate impact.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love – last note on him is that he comes in wearing number seven, which is kind of a troll job to LSU who – kind of gives the number seven to their best defensive back. I mean, Patrick Peterson wore it. I believe Stingley wore it this past year. He was probably going to wear it if he stayed at LSU for his junior year. So I kind of appreciated that troll as an Alabama fan. I thought that was pretty pretty funny by Ricks, and can't wait to see him play for the Tide next fall. Now, final bit of transfer news before we look ahead to the games tomorrow. Mr. Bo Nix, Mr. Auburn himself – I thought he was going to go to UCF, thought he may go to Ole Miss, and he surprised everybody and went to Eugene, Oregon, and followed Dan Lanning, the Georgia defensive coordinator who's now the head coach at Oregon, and he's going to be their quarterback next year. And after what I saw last night from Anthony Brown, he might be desperately needed. So, Chase, I want to ask you two questions, man. What do you think of Bo's decision to go to Oregon and – what do you think his fit out there is? Do you think he'll thrive in that um, that offense and that conference
1: man that's those are two really good questions. I think that uh, I think this makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that by, um, he's a playmaker. he plays the best whenever things kind of are falling apart whenever he can kind of be the guy. And I think that's what Oregon needs right now. I think they're turning the page. And if you watched that game last night, and really if you watched Oregon all season, I mean, it, it it seems like a like a tide that goes in and out. There's sometimes it looks like they have a quarterback and it looks like they're this really good football team. But then they get hit in the mouth or all of a sudden they throw something they haven't seen before. It, they just, it's like they get stunned. Like they've thrown a flashbang in there and they just don't know what to do. They don't really, they can't get anything going. I think that Bo maybe in those uh, in those positions might be able to just make something happen. And I, I think football really comes down to, Hey, instead of on first down, we get sacked or we only, you know, we lose a yard or get a yard. You can turn that into maybe getting three because you've got a quarterback who, who kind of understands the situation just a little bit better, even though he has his own flaws. I think this fit makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I, I'm honestly kind of excited to see maybe Oregon's going to be able to stay with the USC in, in uh, the Pac-12, and it's not going to be just like Lincoln Riley to the championship and USC's back. I'd I, be glad to see them have a little bit of competition out there. What do you think? Do you, do you like this fit? Where did you, if you didn't like this fit, where was maybe the second place that you thought that he uh, should have considered going?
0: I definitely like the fit for him, kind of a fresh start, easier conference, and I've heard really good things about the offensive coordinator that they hired. I believe his name is Kenny Dillingham. Um, A lot of people were very high on him as a play caller and quarterback developer, and I think kind of getting out of the SEC, getting out of that spotlight will be good for Bo and his development. If I had to pick a team that I think he probably should have gone to, If it weren't, if it wasn't going to be Oregon, can you hear me yeah i'm sorry dude
1: i'm back with you now i don't know why it keeps going in and out
0: (laughs) who knows dude who freaking knows what's the last thing you heard
1: um i didn't hear i I heard uh the second option you you, i didn't hear who you said but you said like (laughs) i think a a, a good second uh, stop i think a good second team for him to consider going Cut
0: out okay. Well, I left you, Hank. <laughs> I left you right, really tease, yeah. man. Okay, all right. Well, I know, all right, I know what I'll say. I'll just condense it Wait. so I don't. Can you hear me?
1: I apologize, yeah, yeah. I apologize, dude. I, I don't, I don't know if it's if, if this is Steam Yard or Stream Yard, if this is uh the Wi Fi, but I was I wasn't even on the Wi Fi whenever it was kind of doing this to begin with, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, who knows? Who who knows? It's just been. Hey, we'll just do our best. <laughs> we'll do our best. I know we're working. Hey, we're we're doing it for the people, man. We're doing it for the people. Right? Okay. That's right. all right. I got it. I think a good second option for Bo, if he hadn't have gone to Oregon, would have been Ole Miss. Uh, I think with Lane Kiffin's mm-hmm. ability to develop quarterbacks and kind of scheme around their strengths. I mean, look what he did for Blake Sims, a former running back. He kind of utilized his legs. He implemented a lot of screens, a lot of quick game, and the deep ball, because Blake Sims actually threw a really pretty deep ball, um, and it helps when you have Amari Cooper on your team too. But if he hadn't gone to Oregon, I think Ole Miss would have been a solid second option. But with the talent Oregon has returning on defense with Justin Flo, Noel Sewell and some others. And then, you know, I think I talked about Kenny Dillingham being hired as their offensive coordinator. Heard have heard really good things about him. I think it was a good fit for for Bo to kind of get a fresh start, get out from the SEC shadow, and maybe make a little name for himself out west. So you got any more thoughts on Bo? Um, Chase, before we kind of move on to previewing Alabama and Cincinnati?
1: No, I'll just say that I I think I – he would have been really successful at Old Miss. I think that he is, uh, you know, he's gone through a couple of changes at uh, you know, the offensive like coordinator who who was who ever like actually calling plays at Auburn. He's kind of under the, the storm. I think Lane would, I think yeah, I think Lane would have would have been a great fit. But uh, I think I'm totally with you. This gets him. I mean, he's from Alabama. He's you know freshman quarterback at Auburn. Might be best for him to like, hey, go go kind of make your own legacy. This might be a good reset for him. And, uh, yeah, I I, I think this is a good fit, and I think it's good to kind of hit reset. So, I'm ready to talk Mm -hmm. about some games if you are.
0: Hey, let's do it, man. Let's do it. And tomorrow afternoon, our on-site reporter, Mr. Chase Haney, at 2.30 will be at Jerry World covering and watching Alabama versus Cincinnati. Chase, I want to start with you, man. Alabama has had kind of an up-and-down year. Uh, compared to their standard that they have set over the past 13, um, 13 to 14 years under Nick Saban. What do you think the key matchup in this game is when Alabama is on offense? Cincinnati runs kind of a three-three-five defense. They've got two really good corners in Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner. So you tell me, what do you think um, Alabama needs to exploit to move the ball on this pretty good Bearcat defense.
1: Yeah, I think that we do have to give credit where credit's credit to do. I think that they do have a pretty good defense. I think they have a defense that can hang with a lot of teams. I think that the key is, and, and, and I don't think this is going to blow anybody away, but, I mean, it comes down to Bryce Young, that he hasn't just won the Heisman. He has to continue to show that he is the Heisman. That he can't go out there and 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 play lackluster and make people kind of question it, and then the Hutchinson guy plays phenomenal against Georgia, and we're all wondering if we should have gotten it wrong. I mean, if, if we got it wrong, I think that we have. I think as an Alabama fan, though, we can sit pretty confidently knowing that we have the best quarterback on the field, the best player on the field, and we probably have the second best player that's going to be on the field with Will Anderson. But for the offense, I think it's just going to come down to, hey, they've got good. They've got a good are we going to be able to run the ball effectively enough to where they're going to have to respect it and maybe open up some of these throwing lanes? Cause if you let them double like JMO and then you, you don't have Mechie, I mean, we're going to have to get creative to kind of open up some of this offense, but I, I don't, I don't think it's complex. I think that it's just one of those games at the end of the day. I, I think that our Jimmy's are better than their Joe's. I think their mm-hmm. Joe's are really good, but I really think that's the story of the game. And I think in football, is one of the sports where the better team wins most of the
0: time. That's where I'm
1: putting my – that's where I'm putting my, uh, my money. Sorry about that. You can tell I'm outside. But, uh, Hampton, what do you think the key is to the offense?
0: I'm totally with you. Uh, I think with running the type of defense that Cincinnati employs, the three-three-five, Alabama has played a couple teams like that this year. They played Ole Miss, who employed the same type of defense in Arkansas. Against Ole Miss, they were able to run the ball effectively. Brian Robinson, I believe, had 31 carries for like 160 to 170 yards. And with an improved offensive line performance kind of coming off that Georgia game, I think they're going to be able to run the ball effectively on this front. Not saying that they're, that they don't have talented players, but I think recruiting – and who you play matters. And while Cincinnati, their run defense is really highly ranked in the NCAA, what what teams have they really faced to kind of ch- really challenge that, that unit? I mean, Alabama is going to be the best offensive line they face by far. And I think that is going to be where the game is won and lost on both sides. I think there's such a huge disparity between Alabama's trenches and Cincinnati's trenches so I think Alabama's game plan of running the ball and then sprinkling in the pass when necessary Um, as I mentioned Cincinnati has two really good corners um, in Kobe Bryant and Ahmad Gardner aka Sauce but they ain't seen a receiver like Jameson Williams with that type of speed I mean you saw what he did at that Georgia secondary which I'd talked about before the game being a weak point for them that no one was talking about and they had not had the opportunity to be exploited. But Jameson is a different caliber of receiver that they, that they faced all year. And I think his vertical threat, um, his route running is just going to be kind of shell shock him a little bit. And I'm very interested to see um, Chase, which I know you're going to be excited to hear this, but They've been talking about some of these younger receivers kind of stepping up in John Mechie, Mechie's absence because he's out for the year with an ACL, kind of like you mentioned. But what do you make of Nick Saban mentioning a JoJo Earl, a Ja'Cory Brooks, who's been playing a significant role here as of late? And, drum roll please, a Jai Hall has been mentioned two or three times in the past week. What do you... Who are you looking to kind of emerge from that young receiver group to kind of give um, get the Alabama offense a boost in the wake of John Mechie being injured?
1: Yeah, and Hampton, I think that we've we've noticed that that they they've mentioned a lot of these freshmen receivers, including Hall, which I think was surprising for all of us. And then when we heard it a like you know, a couple more times, we were really surprised. But I, I'll speak on this a little bit. I want to say one more thing. I think that Alabama has to stay patient in this game. They're going to mm-hmm. feel the pressure Good point. to blow out Cincinnati because it's like, hey, this is a team that we typically have to pay to play. Like We typically got to pay them to come to Tuscaloosa. It's going to be really easy to get in that mindset. And I think Saban's done a great job up until now, if you've watched the interviews. I think the, the mood is there that they're going to take care of business. But I think it's just staying patient, even when you know it, it might be seven to three at the end of the first quarter or something like that. But I would love to see some of these freshman receivers start to come alive and start to make make somebody – like if it's Michigan or if it's Georgia, all of a sudden you have a whole – I mean, almost a whole different receiving core mm-hmm. if you really think about it because it's not like Slade is contributing a whole lot of, of dynamic playmaking. But, I mean, shoot, if you just get, let's say, JoJo the – like JoJo the ball and you're able to give Hall the ball and I mean, you add in Leary, you add, in, I mean, there's something, you could add in Holden. There's so many guys that haven't gotten the ball much up until now that if you could sprinkle it in and just make them dedicate another 30 minutes worth of uh, watching film, I think that means a lot in the long run. I think it impacts the game some this game, but it'd be really nice to see that, you know, if you're hoping to play, um, you know, in, in the national championship. But yeah, I'm really excited to see some of these freshman um, receivers. Hampton, I guess – because you know, a lot of, there's a couple of these guys that have different statures and different characteristics. Which one are you the most excited about? If they do get into the game, which one are you excited to see make the biggest impact? Uh, and I'll leave it at that. I won't say which one do you think is going to make the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. Which one would which which kind of characteristic? Which uh, name do you want to see make a big make a big impact?
0: Yeah. Well, before I answer that, you talking about Alabama being patient? Well, that is so ironic. When Nick Saban talked about today, he can't be patient about anything, <laughs> and even sitting <laughs> yeah, in a chair. Right. <laughs> um, so I had to bring that up. I thought it was a really uh, funny and wholesome clip of uh, of Saber there. But Chase, I'm gonna be honest with you. Nothing would delight me more. Nothing would delight me more than for Mister Ajay Hall to have his Derrick Henry Sugar Bowl game. Do you remember? Do you remember Derrick Henry in 2013? Hadn't played much his freshman year, but he gets in that Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma, and I think he had nine touches for like 160 or seventy yards and a touchdown. Do you remember that?
1: I do. I think that was back in the days where we were already spoiled, and we always felt like the backup running back was always better. Better. I remember that game. I remember that game for sure.
0: Well, hey, well, in that case, he was better. He he was an absolute monster that game, and if Alabama would have given him the ball, probably five to ten more times, they probably win the game. But I digress. I would love for Jai Hall, been in the doghouse all year, not doing the little things right, to kind of finally, it finally click. You know everything. You know he starts practicing better, pays attention to little things, and he gets rewarded with playing time, and he goes out there in the biggest stage and has an outstanding game. Cause I think he has all the tools, uh, not only with his height, but I think he's got great contested catch ability. Um, he's got good speed for his size and he's kind of a different look than what Alabama has right now with Jamison Williams kind of being, you know, that speed guy while also he's good in the intermediate area. Cause he's a good route runner, but Ajay is just a bigger framed receiver that Alabama hadn't had in a few years. And, that would be awesome to kind of see him the journey that he's kind of been on. Cause I know even my friend, Thomas Watts, who um, has been on um, our podcast before he talked about, I think when Alabama played New Mexico state at the end of the year, when the got in that he really um, blocked well, which I know that seems like a small and insignificant thing, but that kind of shows maybe Even as early as then, he was focusing on doing the little things that he needed to do to get on the field. So my answer would be a Jai Hall. And before we move to Alabama's defense versus the Cincinnati offense, who would you like to see kind of break out uh, in this game?
1: Yeah, and I think Hall – I think every Alabama fan, if if you know the depth chart, if you know recruiting, and you kind of know the the drama that's happened behind the scenes, you want to see Hall go in there. And make it very clear that we are very glad that we have him and that he is going to stay instead of us getting the uh last name.
0: Getting uh go ahead. What'd uh, you cut out for a minute.
1: I'm sorry, the LSU wide receiver that we uh Sean yes, yes, yeah. It'd be great to see Hall say no, 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 like like I'm here and I want that spot. Um But, man, if I had to kind of throw a name out there, it'd be really cool to see Christian Leary. You know, he keeps – his name keeps coming up as just this kind of switch army knife. Um, It'd be really cool to see Leary get out there and just prove to be this guy that's just a matchup problem. I would love to see that. And I think it'd be a really cool instance of our Jimmys being better than their Joes. It's like we've got this freshman that we don't even know what to put – I mean, he lines up in the backfield sometimes. You've seen Cooper Cup do that a lot in the NFL – you know, I'd love to see kind of that just like removing him all over the place because he's just that dynamic. It'd be really cool to see him have a really big game.
0: Mm-hmm. Now I'm with you, Chase, and he has done a good job in the limited snaps that he's gotten, had that touchdown versus Arkansas, and has really good speed. I would love for him to get that opportunity to shine a little bit more on a brighter stage and to have a little bit more of an advanced role in the offense. So totally with you there. And I think Alabama is going to be able to do – if they can establish the run, they'll be able to do kind of whatever they want on this Cincinnati defense. Now, switching gears, what do you make of Alabama matching up with the Cincinnati offense? We know Desmond Ritter is a really good college quarterback, kind of a dual threat. They've also got Jerome Ford, who used to be at Alabama, who's had a really good career for himself at Cincinnati – which I'm happy, you know, happy to, for him. What? Uh, how do you think the Alabama matches up with the Cincinnati offense?
1: Man, and I, I hope this doesn't come across as disrespectful. I think that Cincinnati <laughs> never a good Cincinnati, start. <laughs> I think Cincinnati's run game will will prove that it that it's the real deal. But I don't know, man. Like Ritter just doesn't strike me as this. Like he's going to come out there and beat Alabama. I think he's got a lot of film that they've had plenty to study. They've kind of built this program around him. But, I mean, he's not, like, going to be the first round, like, you know, the first pick overall in the draft. I mean, he he's had plenty of time to kind of prove his worth. And I'm not saying that he's a horrible quarterback. I think that he can make plays. But I think that Alabama, like, their defense is really going to get after him and mm-hmm. really show him something he, he hadn't seen, bef- like, before. And I know they played Georgia last year but I think that we've just got a really good, uh, I mean, good, good linebackers. We've got really good, uh, edge on the, on our defensive line. Um, I, I see him making some plays, but I I think that we'll see him multiple times look like he doesn't really know where to go with the ball. Um, and, and, and I know he's got a lot of experience, but like I said, I think that that it's showing that he's been there for this long and his name isn't very high on the, uh, on, on the depth, on like the, the NFL draft boards, but, mm-hmm. uh like I said, I know that sounds pretty harsh. I probably didn't give him enough credit before I kind of said that's going to be their, their downfall. But uh, I think for them, I think they're going to try to run the ball because a lot of teams have had some pretty decent success, especially earlier on the season, running the ball against Alabama. But I, I just I don't know if I see them. Uh, I don't know if I see him You know, throwing four touchdowns and then beating Alabama through his arm. But uh, mm-hmm. Hampton, I, and I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of Cincinnati games, but I, I've also, when I've seen their scores and kind of seen clips, I see them breaking off a lot of big runs that keep them in ball games against teams mm-hmm. that they have no business cutting it close against. What, what do you make? You, you're probably a little bit more knowledgeable and can probably give a little bit more uh, of substance mm-hmm. to this conversation. What about the Cincinnati offense might give the Alabama defense some trouble or do you think they give them trouble at all?
0: I'd agree with the assessment of their offense is predicated on Jerome Ford and his ability and their ability as a whole to run the ball. And unfortunately for them, you talked about Alabama's defense kind of being run on early in the year. Really, that Florida game was the only bad outcome um, as far as opponent rushing against Alabama all year. For the rest of the year, Alabama's run defense has been elite. They've been uh, top of the country, been really, really good. And that's going to definitely affect Cincinnati in this game. So what I look for them to do is Desmond Ritter is a good quarterback, but kind of like you said, it's like each year, kind of rem- this isn't an exact comp. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Kellen Mond from this angle. You know, I, Year, it, you know, he was, people were like, oh, he's going to make his jump the senior year. Same thing kind of happened with Ritter after they played Georgia in that bowl game. Everyone was thinking, oh, he's going to jump and elevate his game and become a first round quarterback. Well, that really hadn't happened this year. And you're kind of waiting and waiting and waiting for him to fully maximize his potential. And at some point, you just kind of have to accept that he's a really good college quarterback. But I don't think he, will ever be a top-shelf NFL quarterback, and he will definitely not be an early-round pick in my opinion. But I think with Alabama being able to shut down the run, it's going to put the game more on his shoulders. They've got a couple good receivers, but I feel good about the matchup of Kool-Aid McKinstry and Jalen Armour-Davis against those receivers. And I would look for Cincinnati, and I believe Luke Fickle touched on it today, to kind of employ some trick plays, being more aggressive on fourth down, and kind of changing up tendency to keep Alabama a little off um, off balance and kind of catching them by surprise a little bit. But overall, I don't see a path where they're just going to go up and down the field in Alabama, especially when uh, the best opponent they played all year was Notre Dame, and they definitely didn't do that against Notre Dame, and I would take Alabama's defense over Notre Dame. And, you know, the rest of the schedule, kind of like you said, was pretty lackluster. And they went through a stretch there where they were having one score games with teams that they had no business having one score games with. So I feel pretty good about Alabama's matchup on both sides of the ball. Before we move on to Georgia, Michigan, Chase, give me a score prediction. And how about give me a player of the game?
1: I, I will firstly say, I think that I was trying to think of who does Ritter remind me of. I think Kellen Mond. And I think comparison. I think that is phenomenal. I can't remember who I was thinking of because that one was really like so accurate. Doesn't mean because Kellen was you know a And M you know ended the season at what six eight something like that top ten like yeah they were, a, they were yeah, five
0: they were five last have, year.
1: You can have a really good college football team with a quarterback who isn't like made to be in the NFL. Like that's that, that's all we're saying. We're not saying this guy's trash.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: um, you might hear a plane flying overhead right now, but hey, it's because we're in the big city, baby. That means that that's, that's probably the, uh, the <laughs> things are happening there. That's right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, man. So I was I was kind of thinking about this. I, I I think that Alabama will again. They'll stay patient. At the end of the day, they'll they'll realize like, hey, this is where we have the advantage. Um, you know, we need Bryce to be special, but we don't need him to be as special as he was in the in the Georgia game. Um, True. They'll, they'll probably rely heavily on the run. Um, they won't put, you know, they'll give these freshman wide receivers enough experience that it'll be worth their time. But uh, I think they'll do what they have to do to win. And uh, that's what I think that's, they'll try to keep people not getting hurt and stuff like that, putting them in uh, risky positions and, and all that to say, I, I think that I, I give this game about a, about a 10 point spread. I know a lot of people would probably be like, Oh man, 10 points. I'm going to put this one in about 24, 34 Bama um, okay. But you know how it is predicting these Alabama games this year, especially with the spread. I mean, it just adds a whole different level to it. So I'm interested, interested to see what you have to say. Cause I, I mean, you could go, you know, you could really increase that and I wouldn't be surprised if the game actually ended up that way. What, what do you?
0: I'm thinking Alabama 38 Cincinnati 20. Uh, I think, your assessment of Alabama doing what they need to win the game and then kind of shutting it down similar to what they did against Notre Dame last year. If you remember, they got up on them early. It was like 28, nothing at half. And then they kind of cruised to a victory. Didn't show too much kind of get in, get out, and then look forward to the national championship because while Cincinnati is a really good team, they need to be respected and commended for the job they've done this year. It's not going to be what I think the brawl and the, the physical toll that will be had on both Michigan and Georgia. I think Alabama kind of – they definitely got the easier of the two matchups and it's going to benefit them for the national championship game if they end up winning. So I'm going Alabama 38-20, and I'm going to go with – who am I going to go with my player of the game? You know what? I'm going to go – Jaleel Billingsley. I think Jaleel Billingsley is going to finally have his coming out party. There's going to be a lot more 12 personnel possibly with John Mechie being out. Maybe rely on him and Law too a little bit. Give me Jaleel Billingsley to have a really solid game. And his emergence would be huge for Alabama going down the stretch. But with that chase, if you don't have anything more to add on the Alabama Cincinnati matchup, Let's transition to Georgia-Michigan because this is the matchup that I think, as a if I was just a college football fan, not an Alabama fan, this is the one that really gets me excited because I think we have two very similar teams playing, and I think we're going to have a really close game. So give me your overall thoughts heading into this matchup of how Georgia and Michigan kind of stack up to one another, and do you think – either team has a real edge or do you think they're pretty dead even all across the board
1: yeah i think that they i think that both teams have good defenses i think that it, it's going to be really interesting to see walking away who has the best defense because i i feel like i don't know there's there's a part of me that feels like man michigan's got a great defense but they finally have a quarterback that's kind of my storyline for Michigan season and them going into this game, is that they finally have a quarterback who can make plays and who's a difference maker. Um, and again, I, I think the in big games, I'm actually going to stick to this. I think in big games, it comes down to who has the better quarterback. I think you see this a lot in the NFL. Why is Aaron Rodgers always at the top, mm-hmm. the better quarterback? Why is Tom Brady's always at the top? It's because he's Tom Brady. Like that's why you constantly see these names. Every once in a while, there'll be a team that sneaks in, but they don't typically make it as far. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what JT Daniels uh, and uh, what the postman can do for Georgia. Uh, <laughs> or uh, is that right?
0: Did it's I, a mailman. Right? It was mailman close. Yeah, that's Stetson. Right. Yeah,
1: Stetson. That's right. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched too much Michigan football. Um for Georgia, it really comes down to, hey, can you just kind of brush off the loss to Alabama and just get back to what you were doing to, to begin with? Um, I, don't, I don't know. Georgia kind of strikes me as that team that when, when, when they're playing and they're motivated, they're ready to go. But it only takes a couple of things, a couple of missteps, and they're kind of doubting their whole team culture. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 feel like, I feel like Harbaugh has been put on the hot seat and he's playing a little bit, kind of like Cincinnati, where it's kind of, like, hey, this is our first time here. Like, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna play our hardest. I wonder if Georgia kind of comes in not wanting to mess up, and then all of a sudden, it's down seven to nothing, ten to nothing, ten to three. So, um, I'll wait and give my uh, score prediction uh, after you kind of hear what you have to say, because I know you've been able to watch and kind of analyze. Michigan's defense is, is really showing out this year. Mm-hmm. and uh, show that they can really run the ball against you know Ohio State, who is supposed to have a really good defense, especially a good defense line. So what do you make of all this? This is a great matchup.
0: Absolutely it is. And before I kind of dive into more of the breakdown, the point you made about Georgia kind of getting back to what they were doing pre-Bama or kind of rebounding from that loss, I think that's a big thing. Georgia's been known – to let games and losses beat them twice. Uh if you remember when they played Alabama, I believe it was in twenty eighteen, they go play Texas in the Sugar Bowl and they get they get embarrassed. That was the famous Sam Ellinger. Um we're back. No you're not, but they beat Georgia and I think that game against Alabama, losing it kind of deflated them and they lost that game this other game because of it and i'm just wondering if they're maybe looking a little bit ahead to that potential alabama rematch if they do win this game so that doesn't really factor in to how i believe the game's going to go it's just something i think we need to keep in mind now for the breakdown of it michigan i don't think is getting enough credit for how well they match up in the trenches against the georgia on both sides of the line of scrimmage on offense, their offensive line won the Joe Moore award for the best offensive line in college football. And they've kind of shown that throughout the year, they've been able to run the ball really effectively. I think they're averaging like 240 yards on the ground. They've got 39 rushing touchdowns led by Hassan Haskins. Who's a really good back. They've got a couple other complimentary backs that have been really good for him as well. And, that the Georgia defensive line just completely dominates them um, and takes them out of the game. So you add their ability to run the ball, and I know that feeds into Georgia's ability to stuff the run, but I think the difference with Michigan this year, and you touched on it, Chase, their quarterback, Caden McNamara, while I don't think he's a game changer, he has shown the ability to hit play action, vertical shots down the field, and open up that run game a little bit more, and take advantage of safety's kind of creeping up to stop the run. So, in a game like this, you're going to need to hit a shot player to, to really put some points on the board and to put pressure on Georgia. Um, and he, you know, I like him and JJ McCarthy. I believe is the name of the backup quarterback that they sometimes rotate in there to kind of provide a little bit of a dual threat. Um, look to the defense, so that's something that Georgia will be having to prepare for, and he he's able to throw as well. So they can give you two different looks with that. I really like their freshman receiver, Andrew Anthony. Um, a couple of tight ends that they have are really solid, along with the rest of their receiving core. And Josh Gaddis has done a really good job this year kind of tweaking that offense and making it more modern. You know, they're still predicated on smash mouth physical football and running the ball, but he's also implemented spread principles, some RPO, um, a little, you know, trick plays, screens, reverses to kind of keep the defense off balance. And I really like some of the play designs that he's had this year, Uh, not just in trick plays, but in RPO, scheming guys open. And he seems to have really settled in on how to call a good game in the flow of it. So that's, you know, George or Michigan on offense. On defense, they're – I mean, Aiden Hutchinson has been a monster this year. And under Mike McDonald, first-year defensive coordinator for the Wolverines, they've kind of revamped uh, what they've done there as well and not been so reliant on kind of maybe a little bit of an archaic scheme under Don Brown um, because every time that they faced – an RPO spread-based team in the past that had the talent to kind of beat their defense, they struggled see Ohio State for the past five or six years. But this year, they made an adjustment to kind of be able to better defend a spread attack, and it's paid dividends for them. So Michigan, I think, matches up really well with Georgia. What's going to be interesting on Georgia, especially on offense, Stetson Bennett, I think, gets too much blame. For that Alabama game, I don't think he's the reason they lost the game. I thought he actually played really well other than those couple picks. And that kind of happened when Alabama put them in an uncomfortable position and kind of got ahead of them. But I'm interested to see if they do employ JT Daniels at all during the game. And, I mean, I if I'm them, I wouldn't bank on that because I don't think JT Daniels is going to revolutionize this offense because I kind of think it is what it is right now. Um, But I think Michigan matches up really well on both sides. Um, I know Georgia's defense will probably um, – I mean, I know they'll play a lot better than they did against Alabama due to the type of attack that Michigan runs. But I think Michigan's going to be able to make some plays out there. Georgia's going to probably try to commit um, to stop the run enforce the game on Cade McNamara, and I think that is their best path to victory. But it's a really interesting matchup, Chase, because uh, Michigan matches up with Georgia a lot better than people are giving them credit for. So what do you make of all that? I know that was long. A lot to break down, man, on that. But what do you make of um, that analysis? And then give me your score prediction for this game. How are you feeling about it? I
1: think, I think you teed this up really well because, I mean – We talked about Jimmy's and Joe's. This is one of those that there's not a clear separation. I mean, you know, I'm really interested to see how this game plays out. It's one of those that you will tune in on. I I did see where – and I don't know what to make of this. It's like they surveyed Twitter, or somehow Twitter did some kind of uh, analysis and said that the majority of the country is cheering for uh, Michigan. But I I think the only thing you could really conclude from that is the majority of Twitter is cheering for Michigan. Yeah. Jimmy's and Joe's aside, I guess what I've been trying to kind of think of this game more in the sense of the mentality and who has the edge mentally. Because physically, I think I agree with you a whole lot of just like they they line up pretty pretty similar. Um, Both really good teams line up pretty well. And it's going to be a really physical game. Um, I think the most telling win wasn't that Michigan beat Ohio State when we all kind of were like, yeah, you know, Ohio State's kind of had a down year. Um, what they kind of showed me was they can go in and win a uh, win a game, like against Iowa, whenever they they went in there and absolutely destroyed Iowa. When we thought that Iowa was going to have a chance to knock them out. Mm-hmm. They showed me that they can win two games. So I think what this comes down to for me is think about it like this. this, is a, this there is no statistical analysis here. I want to ask you something, and th- you give me a number, but okay. just kind of a ballpark. If you know Alabama beats Georgia, let's say Georgia ends up in the Sugar Bowl, like they did when they played te- when they played Texas. Who cares who they play? How many people opt out of that game? One lost Georgia that has to go to the Sugar Bowl for some reason. How many Georgia players opt out of that game? They're on this team this year.
0: Mm-hmm. I'd say like nine. See, and that's –
1: I think that's kind of where I'm sitting, is that they kind of have the – they still had the loss. They are kind of like, man, we lost and we still got in. It's not like they lost and now they're playing in the Sugar Bowl and they have nine guys opt out. But I wonder if mentally, mentally they're kind of like, I mean, we kind of had a loss to spare. And that doesn't really get you up in the morning, get you excited to go try to, you know, be a better football team so that you can correct on your errors. I think that they might have nine guys who might have kind of opted out of this game mentally,
0: mentally. Okay. I
1: don't, I don't know if that really makes too much sense and it might be wildly wrong, but I just, Georgia plays with this when they, when they get really excited, like they can show up and really play some ball, but man, it seems like when they make mistakes, like you said, they let one loss turn into two losses. I'm really wondering if that's what happens this time. I'm actually going to go with Michigan and I'm going to go Michigan 35 to 27. What do you think about Where are
0: you at on all this? High-scoring game. Okay. I like it. I'm with you on the Michigan pick. I got Michigan 24 to 20. I think it's going to be a defensive battle because neither offense is particularly explosive. So I think it's going to be a field position game, taking advantage of the opportunities, When they, you know, when you get them, turnovers, I think, will be a little bit of a factor. And what it comes down to in my mind, who do I think can run the ball more effectively? Do I think Georgia can run it more effectively or Michigan? And I've got to go with Michigan just because of I think their offensive line is really, really good. And I think, like I said, they match up with Georgia well on that front. And I really like their backs. Um, and Josh Gattis, I think, will will come up with innovative ways to kind of um, string together some runs, uh, maybe even do an extension of the running game with those screens that I was talking about earlier, um, some of those jet sweeps. So I like Michigan in this one, and Georgia can easily win this game. So it's not like I'm wholeheartedly believing in this, but I think – and here's another thing. Final final point I'll say before um, before we conclude here. This is Georgia's year. Like if Georgia doesn't win this year, when are you going to win? Because you got the most senior laden, experienced team that you're going to have with all the super seniors and the COVID seniors. So you've got to think guys on that team are like this is our chance. This is when you know this is our year. And I think losing Alabama put a little bit of doubt in their mind. And like you said, I'm interested to see kind of how they respond. And Michigan, on the other hand, no one was picking them this year. And they kind of come up out of nowhere. And really, they should be undefeated right now because they shouldn't have lost the Michigan State game. They dominated it until they bungled it away in the closing seconds. But I think they're going to finish the drill and then it's going to set up an Alabama-Michigan national championship game that's going to be a whole lot of fun to dissect and watch. But, Chase, you got any closing thoughts before we get out of here tonight, man?
1: All I got to add is I feel like in in these two matchups, I feel like Alabama has the luxury of being able to cut weight and, and play an opponent that's not cutting weight at all. If you understand fighting a little bit, that, that'll make more sense. But basically, mm-hmm. I think Alabama has the luxury of of, of this advantage of having – They're able to be bigger, stronger, playing against an opponent that's really good and still a really good fighter, still a really good football team, but they've got, you know, 10 to 15 pounds on them. I think that's the story for the Alabama-Cincinnati matchup. But in this this Georgia-Michigan matchup, both teams are cutting weight, so it's not really an advantage either side. And I would just say last remark is sit back and enjoy it. This is – if if there was any pro or any, you know – anything that we get to just enjoy about this playoff, whether you advocated for it or you're against it, is that there is this matchup. If you get one more excellent football game of uh, number two versus number three, mm. and then you get a national championship, but don't skip to the national championship. Enjoy this number two versus yeah. number three. And uh, man, it's, it's going to be a great football game. Just kind of watch it for what it is. Don't 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 start wondering who's going to play against Alabama or Cincinnati. Uh, I would just say sit back and just enjoy it because it's going to be- fun weekend of, of uh, college football. But uh, that game is going to be a spectacular matchup. Even if one team is clearly better, I think that it's still going to – they're both going to duke it out. You got any last remarks?
0: Just that I wholeheartedly agree with your point about – and your kind of comparison with the fighting and the cutting weight type aspect of it. It very much reminds me of in 2018, Alabama had to go play Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. It was really humid. And I think Alabama – while they won that game comfortably, it was still a more difficult matchup than when Clemson at the same time had to go play Notre Dame and they were able to look ahead to Alabama and game plan for Alabama, not really look, you know, ahead to Michigan or not to Michigan uh, look at Notre Dame. They were able to look ahead to Alabama. So I think it's a similar scenario this year with Alabama being the Clemson in this situation. So, I think it's a dynamic point by you, and I am wholeheartedly with you about looking forward and savoring this game. It's one of the few final college football games this year, going to be an epic matchup. I mean, what more could you want? What more could you want, other than if you're Danny Cannell or some other guys that are complaining about too many bowl games and cover the sport for 11 and don't like the sport, um, then I don't know what more you could what more you could want then this playoff matchups that are going to be taking place tomorrow and we will be back next week, hopefully recapping both of the results of both games. And uh, we appreciate everyone for listening and joining. If you haven't checked it out, be sure to go check out my interview with Alfredo Artiaga, uh, co-host of three yards per carry and an influential voice in the Miami dolphins fan community. We talked a little bit about the dolphins and Tua their upcoming matchup against the Titans. Really fun conversation. Have received a lot of great feedback. So if you haven't gotten a chance to listen. Be sure to do that today. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media. If this is your first time listening to us. We truly appreciate it. Have a lot of fun stuff going on there. Uh, we're available wherever you get your podcast And we'll be back next week. Like I said, recapping the results to both of these games and the Pigskin Cafe will be closed for now. But until next time, we hope everyone has a happy new year and we hope everyone choose on that.